Welcome to this week's episode of Latchkey Movies, the podcast where we take a critical look at the movies your kids are watching without your supervision. Today, we are going to talk about the 2008 Disney film, Bolt. My name is Sarah. I am the mom of a five-year-old boy. And I am Briar Harvey, and I am the mom of an 18-year-old, an eight-year-old, and a two-year-old. All right, so I'm just going to come right out and say that because I think it's going to be incredibly obvious as we're talking about this movie I have no feelings towards this movie (laughs) like I don't hate this movie I don't like this movie I'm entirely ambivalent about this movie like I just don't care about this movie well you Disney and everyone (laughs) else I guess like I tried I was I was watching it this afternoon I really tried to like have a connection to this movie or have some sort of like okay all right that's something i can run with i hate i like i i wanted to hate it or like i wanted some sort of emotion to come of of my viewing of this movie and there was zero emotion i i i okay it's not my favorite disney (laughs) by any stretch of the imagination but i kind of like this one okay although i'll classify it as i kind of like it like there's some (laughs) good stuff that i find redeeming okay but we'll acknowledge too i feel that we chose this movie because it's a dog movie and our whole thematic thing for like the next three months is dog movies because we (laughs) thought that they would be fun but when i sat down to watch this movie the second time because i struggled through the first time like i just don't care about this movie (laughs) and i was telling my husband i had i need to watch it one more time and he's like what movie is it and i said bolt and he's like well you only have yourself to blame that you have to watch this movie again like it's only through your own like devices that you are forcing yourself to watch this movie again. I I, I feel like that's a pretty fair assessment. Honestly, <laughs> it was twice even, and and again, like it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> it's just it's not. I don't know. I um this movie has an eighty nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes. So it was better than fine for most of the critics. Okay, so I'm really hoping that you, like, the things that you liked about this movie make me appreciate it more, I guess. (laughs) I'll do my best. I I make no promises, but I will will do my best. All right, so when I was watching this movie, I really wanted to know where it fit into the timeline of Disney movie releases. Mm -hmm. So this was a 2008 movie. In 2007... Um, In March of 2007, Walt Disney Animation released Meet the Robinsons, and in August, Pixar released Ratatouille. Were they merged at that point in time? Okay, they'd already merged at that point Pixar was acquired in 2006 by Disney. Okay, thank you. So I'm imagining some of this production stuff was still, like, Well before. Mm -hmm. Acquisition, but Mm -hmm. here we are. Um, so So in 2007, Meet the Robinsons and Ratatouille. Then... In June 2008, we got Wally from Pixar. And then this movie followed in November from Walt Disney Animation. The movie right after this that was released in 2009 was Up by Pixar. 
So that's really interesting. I thought that this fell closer to the black hole of Meet the Robinsons than up. Well, I, I mean, honestly, for me, that says a lot. You, it's it, it's not a terrible movie, but you sandwich it between Wally and Ratatouille. And, and no, up. and up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it it's really... like, it's totally forgettable next to either of those. Right, and there's a, f- a slew, like, right within there, mm-hmm. there's a bunch of movies that kind of get overlooked by Disney. So you've got Meet the Robinsons, which people don't even realize is Disney. The Princess and the Frog, which performs so poorly, Disney will never do another traditional animation film again. And that's and, really that's really a shame, right? I agree. Because the Princess and the Frog. So we obviously spoke to Sydney when we watched um, Frozen Two, mm-hmm. but certainly for the majority of my black friends, yeah. the Princess and the Frog is a significant a- film. Absolutely, I really like the Princess and the it's Frog. It's a great movie. I think. Had it been done in the animation style of Frozen, it may have been, um, might not be as maligned as it is by Disney. And I think that's, I mean, we're we're probably going to get into this. We really want to do one of our deep dives on all of these properties that Disney kind of overlooks. So I'm sure when we do sit down to do that, we'll get more into things like The Princess and the Frog. Um, It's not as overlooked by Disney as some other properties are by any means. You will find Tiana in the park. She's on Well, yes, because she's the only black princess. And if they neglect Tiana, that really is a problem. That would would be an issue. But we can neglect the white dog because... (laughs) Because he's John Travolta. (laughs) Maybe. I don't know. I mean, if you want to use an excuse, use that. Okay. So... That leads us very naturally into the cast here. So we have John Travolta. Most of this cast, honestly, is guys in the hallway. Right, and I think there's a very good reason for that. So this movie was originally developed as a very similar story. It was about a dog who was in movies or TV, kind of like a lassie character. Mm -hmm. And um, they the production was that this dog was going to be in Nevada, um, like in the desert in Nevada, and think it was still in a movie. So, like, the whole road trip aspect, I believe, of it was that original part. Um, But that movie was scrapped. Well, not scrapped, but, like, pushed into redevelopment. And this movie was given an 18-month calendar to be released typically a movie like this by disney gets four years yeah so i think that if i have to come up with an explanation of why this voice cast is a lot of like nobodies i'm guessing that that's why (laughs) because they were just grabbing people out of the hall like hey we need somebody to um voice this hamster who is a main character in this movie and who do you use the storyboard artist? <laughs> right. So, um, Rhino, obviously, is voiced by, his name is Mark Walton, and he drew. Now, when we say drew, we literally mean drew the little match girl and Emperor's New Groove, among other forgotten properties, no? Right. <laughs> yeah. But... 
he's great. He's fantastic. I really actually, I find Rhino to be one of the more redeeming points of this film. So, good for the hallway guy, I guess. But we certainly didn't get a standard Disney voice cast, especially not in this timeline. If you go to either of the films before or after, all of the voices are yeah. pretty significant. So. so, an interesting note is this wasn't his first time doing voice acting work. He did it two other times for Home on the Range and Chicken Little. <laughs> Guy in the hallway. Guy in the hallway. We're literally proving our guy in the hallway (laughs) theory here. So we also have Susie Essman as Mittens. Um, I like Susie. She is, but I don't watch any of these shows. Curb Your Enthusiasm, Broad City. Like, I really had to dig for a physical character reference, which, by the way, is the babysitter in the movie Volcano. Okay, I'm not familiar enough to know who she is from that. <laughs> Sorry, that's that's the best that's the best I could come up with. B- because we are huge fans of disaster films okay. and own many of them on original D- like there's a few we still own on original VHSs that we haven't been willing to like part with but most of them are on DVD and oh yeah for many years like Volcano and Dante's Peak and and The Day After Tomorrow were just the movie that we would turn on so that was the that was the reference that i i happened to pick up for Susie. (laughs) we have okay so penny is voiced by miley cyrus as the old penny and chloe grace moritz as the young penny which neither one of us can figure out why this was actually necessary was Marley unable to do a falsetto that day I mean I really I don't get it their age differences because I had to look it up because I'm like they can't be that big of an age difference there's only five years difference between them Miley would have been about 16 at time of recording and Chloe would have been about 11 depending on like when it was actually recorded versus when it was released and there's like not five years. significant scenes here, but it's it's both it's basically just buying Bolt at the toy yeah. shop. Uh, yeah, like I I do not I, I cannot it, understand. I don't. Understand. You've got so many guys in the hallway here, but right? And you actually like went to time to like cast somebody for like a line. I don't understand. I really <laughs> okay. So. Let's get to some of the significant characters, which are weirdly significant, because, like, they're all bit parts. This is... The the actors that they hired were for bit parts. I truly don't understand. We have Malcolm McDowell as Dr. Calico, who is the mastermind. I believe he has a grand total of, like, ten sentences and an evil laugh. Um, we have Nick Swardson as Blake, the fat white cat. We have Tantric Botter as the black evil laugh cat. 
We have Greg German as the agent, although I must say, I thought he did remarkably well in this role. It was pretty spot on for a Hollywood talent agent. So, uh, I didn't know that that guy's name is Diedrich Bader. <laughs> I had no idea who, I like, I know who he is. He's totally that guy. He, he was on totally the Drew Carey show. He's right. on American Housewife now. But okay. like, Thank I had no idea that. that that was his Sorry, name. So I, in case you were wondering who he was, he was in office space. Yes. We're, we're kind of. <laughs> We take for granted some actors sometimes. Nick Swartzen, by the way, you had asked what he's doing these days, and I looked it up. He appears to be workshopping new material. Okay. He's got a tour coming next fall. So, comedy takes a long time, and I think most people don't really pay attention to this, but it takes a couple of years to go and try out new jokes on lots of different audiences to see uh -huh. what will land and what will not. These days, that is a remarkably fraught experience, because right. you used to be able to go and test material on college campuses, mm -hmm. and you absolutely can't do that anymore, because you might get canceled if you go to a college campus and tell a bad joke so they're having to do like the common the comedians that I hear talk about this now they're like they're having to go to really strange tiny comedy clubs in New York and LA and they're all very underground where uh -huh. people still appreciate a, a joke being born because okay. a joke being born often has some rough edges, we'll say. They're a little harsher than the joke that you take to this Netflix special. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, that's what Nick is doing. He has been workshopping new material. And my guess is we'll get a tour and probably a special out of him sometime next fall. And it'll be great. And then Greg German is totally a that guy too. Like, yes, he is. I, you totally know, a that you guy. just have to look up his picture because, like, I could tell you names of characters he's played, but you probably don't remember who the characters are because they're never like really Richard Fish from Ally McBeal. I didn't is watch Ally McBeal. Noteworthy to me. Oh, yeah. you're. A so if you bit haven't watched Ally Ally McBeal, just yeah. look him up because as soon as you see him, you'll be like, oh yeah, that guy. Yeah, that guy. That guy. Speaking of that guy, we also have James Lipton as well, the director. You know him from inside the actor's studio. <laughs> and um, Carrie Walgren. You who, skipped over Randy Savage. Oh, I did skip over Randy Savage. That's that's a like, terrible crime. Can't macho skip over Randy Macho Savage? Man Randy I didn't Savage. Know that was Macho Why? Man Randy Savage. Yeah. What character is he? So he is literally listed as the thug. Okay. He is the guy. Oh, the guy who ends up upside down in the car. Yeah. Okay. All right. In the yeah. beginning. In the beginning. All right. But what is, why? What was this movie's casting situation? I, I don't understand. And Carrie Walgren as Mindy from the network, which I, I wanted to call her out just She's a standard voice actor. I mean, if there's an anime, she's yeah. been in it. Yeah, she has and a long list of credits. 
my favorite would be Fooly Cooly. She was Haruko. Um, but yeah, there's just so, so many. I, but Mindy from the network was, was kind of fun. So everyone else is voice actors. Also actor. voice actors, yeah. We talked about the Brooklyn bird phenomenon in Happy Feet, episode mm-hmm. four. And these two were hallway guys. And the L.A. birds were hallway guys. And the farm birds were all hallway guys as well. (laughs) But they were, I don't know, they were fun. That's that's the best I have for the pigeons in this film is fun. Not necessarily mobster pigeons. No, not mobster pigeons, although they were definitely Brooklyn birds. I mean, we could have maybe stretched it to include them as mobster pigeons pigeons as just the stereotype but then because we got farm birds and west coast birds I, they were just the surfer birds, birds. We'll, yeah. we'll call them surfer birds because they were definitely they no were they weren't too. surfer birds they were hollywood wannabe birds remember they were well that's true hollywood wannabe birds <laughs> all right so we start with bolt's adoption such a cute puppy. He is a really cute puppy. I should note that we have a stuffed bolt. I don't okay. know where or when we acquired the stuffed bolt. I am pretty sure he is currently under the eight-year-old's bed as we speak. <laughs> but normally he is on top of the bed. Okay. So. So he's loved. Bolt is the movie is not particularly like when I said we were doing this they all kind of went whatever. My son had a moment with this movie like we actually own it Um, but it was like it was fleeting. Yeah (laughs) and I feel like that's kind of been the case for my kids too. They'll all be like oh it's Bolt whatever it's fine but it's just it's fine it's not significant to any of my children, I don't think. Yeah. So we have Penny the Younger getting the dog. We don't really get to know the family situation here or any of the circumstances that lead up to Penny the Actor. How do Penny and Bolt get discovered is what I would like to know. Is the question. Another question that I have is... Penny's dad, was he he? just never around? Because we have no actual information about Penny's real father. And I will say, for me, that is the one thing, when I try to think of something redeeming in this film, the non-typical family Mm -hmm. is nice. Because Penny's mom is single and fat. And in Disney, I have to say, the fact that she is fat is pretty significant. Right. Um, It's... It didn't actually even stand out to me that the dad wasn't there because I feel like that's kind of a trope in the whole, like, child actor in media thing where it's just a mom and the child Mm -hmm. in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it be that the dad stayed home with whatever other kids, and I feel but like we know at the that end before. that's definitely not the right. case. When well, it's are just... we sure? Maybe dad's in the house. Maybe they always own the farmhouse, and dad's in there. 
I, no, I don't think so. <laughs> Okay. I don't think so. We almost titled this podcast, Where Are Your Parents? <laughs> because it's we a can question, always ask that question we can ask <laughs> for so many of these movies. It's either where are the parents in or reality? How did the parents die? How did the parents die? Or in like certain animated TV show cases, we're possibly talking about Max and Ruby. Where are the parents at all to be watching these fucking kids? Where <laughs> are they? Okay. Moving on. So we have the whole intro scene of Penny's whole thing with doctor whatever that is really none of that is particularly noteworthy the show itself is really bad yeah Yeah. it's awful um so my biggest takeaway from that whole part the whole like seeing the production of the show and i'm still trying to figure this out could it possibly even be more um, financially reasonable to shoot a TV show the way they do if it's all in one take? <laughs> I mean... I mean, so what happens is they film this show so that Bolt doesn't know he's on a TV show. He thinks he has superpowers. He thinks he saves Penny all the time. Like, he thinks this is real life. It does bring up interesting questions about animal actors. Because, as we know, animal actors are notoriously unpredictable. Right. They do show this with the fake Bolt at Mm -hmm. the end who causes the fire. Right. I mean... Animal actors are difficult to get to participate. Never work with animals or children. Right. Disney has gone so far to say, we're not going to do real animals anymore. We'll just animate them. So, but, like, my thought is, so a show of this caliber with these stunts and um, pyrotechnics and all of that going on, they're probably actually saving money by filming this way because everything's done in one take. It's, I mean... They don't have to reset. It is what it is. They just do it. I mean, sure, it's incredibly elaborate that they have to build, like, secret hallways and things to be able to film this dog without him knowing, but I think my argument is that they're probably saving money in the long run. Because reshoots are expensive. Reshoots are expensive, especially with these kinds of effects and things. I... uh, Man, that's tough. This is the biggest amount of thought I could put into this movie. (laughs) But really, this is the first three minutes of this film. It's actually the first 20 minutes. I paid attention. Though, did I you did you time it so so Mindy from the network and the whole conversation about boom mics? The first twenty minutes. It's is the what first twenty go- minutes. Okay. Yeah. And it's an hour. It's almost an hour and a half. It's like an hour and twenty six minutes. That's actually pretty significant time wise for some. I, it's I, th- I almost mean, a third of the movie. Y- yeah, it's. I don't know. It's still not great, though. Like, no, the, the, the show... But, like, I can't... I just terrible. had to, like, pull myself back. I was... I'm so used to saying, no, it's not great. It's awful. It's not awful. 
No. It's just nothing. It's, it's nothing. It's, it's insignificant and unremarkable. <laughs> the whole movie is kind of insignificant. Yeah, that's what I mean. The movie is just, insignificant is. and it's unremarkable. <laughs> They could have done a lot with it, and maybe yeah. this is yet an, I mean, maybe this is just a tale of 18 months, yeah. y'all, because yeah. animation should never take less than two years. And it's a well-animated film. Yeah, in terms of the drawing, the visual mm-hmm. effects, I kept looking at, so, but there is something weird about it, isn't there? So, I don't know what it is. It, we've talked about the animation in that era the cgi is having issues before but i don't actually think it's that but i don't know what it is so this animation technology was the precursor or the first run of the technology they eventually used for tangled so we have the whole scene with the cats and the taunting which is I don't know. None of this is really noteworthy. No, it's not. Like, even that scene, it's just kind of like, uh, uh, uh. The dialogue maybe should have been workshopped a little Uh, bit more, eh? Yeah. Yeah, like, you don't get that rich, like, um, there's no witty banter. It's Mm -hmm. all just basic. This is like the pumpkin spice latte and Ugg boots of Disney movies. It's not though, because that's not that's popular. People like it. No, there's right. A reason, this is there's a reason why people like pumpkin spice lattes and Ugg boots because they're comfy and they taste good. But like this movie is just this movie is drip coffee. Ooh, <laughs> that's insulting. Well, I like drip but coffee. But accurate. <laughs> I mean, drip coffee serves sure, a purpose. Sure, you drink it. It has caffeine in it. Right. So this movie is. Drip coffee. <laughs> All right, so we have the cliffhanger episode where bolts, and I guess here we're going with the the assumption that it is cheaper to film this way with live animals. Well, it's a super popular show, apparently, right? Like, there's billboards for it everywhere. Buses. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're 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 gonna do the thing, but man, that really is beyond the pale cruelty. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. At some level, I know we don't care about animals, especially not in Hollywood. And 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 I suppose we're anthropomorphizing the dumb dog here, but. <laughs> Really? I kind of look at that and go, that's mean to the dog. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. He's got, he, I don't know. I don't know. We're, we're don't gonna, know. we're gonna let the dog work himself. I mean. That whole part, yes. Like, that dog was probably, I mean. If, if that were a real dog. That dog that would be bloody dog, from scratching right, at the That thing. dog would need to be sedated. Right. That dog would have anxiety attacks. Mm-hmm. I mean, seriously, in, in in a real 
animal situation, if this was the route that we were going to take, then they were woefully underprepared to take care right. of Bolt in They're, a humane manner. They're lucky he ran away in this movie. Right. They're lucky he didn't die of a heart attack. Right. Because that is honestly, under normal circumstances, I mean, we bred dogs. We, mm -hmm. we designed them this way. We made them have these feelings for us so that they would protect us and our children and watch our crops and shit. And you can't just roll back thousands mm -hmm. of years of programming because it suits you. Right. And they did not... I don't know. Disney has a history of mistreating its real animals, honestly. Right. So maybe this is... A, a little bit of self-flagellation poorly done? I don't, I don't know. know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. All I know is Bolton's up in the box in New York where he meets Mittens. That's a long shipping situation. Right. Like, I don't think he would have survived. No, there's no. Because, like, cargo planes aren't meant to have live cargo. Animals. <laughs> with no air in the box, right. either. Yeah. Nothing but packing peanuts and an unconscious dog. This <laughs> right. is the math he, of this. He's not making not that trip. He's not no. making that trip. <laughs> I, I don't think so, either. Styrofoam aside here. <laughs> and then he wakes up in New York, and everything is fine. And then he meets the birds. But he also the, thinks, he he knows he loses his superpowers. Mm -hmm. And he thinks that it's the styrofoam that is the cause of the loss of superpowers. Because, mm -hmm. okay. Because. Whatever. I, I mean, we've anthropomorphized There's no depth the dog. No, there is none <laughs> whatsoever. And it doesn't actually make sense in any way. Right. But then we meet Mittens, and I guess if there is, I don't know, some redemption here, some of the interactions between Bolt and Mittens are fine. Yeah. Fine. I mean, it's pretty obvious from the get-go that she's a declawed cat. You know immediately. You know immediately that she has no claws. <laughs> you never see them. Which is another thing that wouldn't happen because it's illegal in New York State now. Is it illegal in It New wasn't York State? at the time, it, but it is currently illegal in New York State to declaw a cat. I don't actually object to this one on moral grounds. But it's apparently incredibly cruel. It's it is. the equivalent it's to cutting your finger off at the first knuckle. Well, cats. Uh, yeah, I mean. I had a declawed cat. Uh, we got her. A long, long time ago, back before it was illegal, and we were living in an apartment, and she was fine. But I could, I've come across declawed cats that were not fine. It changes them um, a little bit mentally uh, um, because their claws are so, so important to them. Beyond like the fact that it's apparently possible that it would cause like long-term pain and all that to them. Um, my current cats are not declawed, and they're a couple of assholes. <laughs> that's all I that's my <laughs> and, and, and I'm going to say here that cats are not really domesticated right they <laughs> live with us 
intolerance because they, we feed them. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's and exactly. Rub the belly, but only three times. No more than three <laughs> yeah. times. I mean, yeah. cats are honestly my favorite animal. I like the independence <laughs> and the willfulness and the general fu attitude <laughs> that is present in felines. I, I I don't particularly care for that sedate, drooly dogness thing, <laughs> but. No, declawing a cat, even if they're an indoor-only cl- mm-hmm. cat. Oh, is... God, you could never, ever, 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 ever. If you have a declawed cat, your cat cannot go outside. It cannot defend oh, never. itself. You shouldn't have an outdoor cat to begin with. They ruin the local environment by killing the domestic songbirds. But... So this is an interest. I, <laughs> I read some screed. I'm sure it was on Reddit, you know... <laughs> But some screed from some dude, I think in New Zealand, who was talking about how all cats should be indoor-only cats, and they should pass a law, and I'm like, okay, good luck keeping all the cats indoors. (laughs) Especially, like, have you ever been near a farm? Right. (laughs) Like, oh, so last night, we were driving home from, oh gosh, where were we? Oh, we were just driving home from a party that was at, like, a rented party space. But, like, we had to drive through. The, where I live is, like, it's not rural, but I live in upstate New York. And the, not rural to, like... Uh, is relative. Yeah. It's relative is what not she's saying. Not rural to suburban is, like, across the street. Like, I don't live on a farm, but I pass cows every day on my way to work. <laughs> so we were driving, and we drove past a farm, and there were literally, literally eight cats just hanging out in the middle of the road. Just like, whatever, dude. And then when we rolled up in our car, they're like, yeah, what are you going to do about it? <laughs> uh, having lived in very similar environments... <laughs> So, we had barn cats. Yeah. Everybody, every farm has barn every cats. Every farm has barn cats. Yeah. And when we say we had barn cats, we don't mean, like, You wanted two to. Or <laughs> ten. Yeah. Like, on bigger farms, we're talking hundreds. Right. Yeah. We had, at one point in time, we had probably 30 or 40 cats in our barn, and my grandpa was a sucker, and he loved the things. I mean, and you can't, they're they're all feral, you can't mm-hmm. pet you can't them. ever or bring inter- one inside. Or bring one inside, no. But you certainly can feed them mm-hmm. and listen to them purr at you in gratitude. Mm-hmm. And because my grandpa was apparently a sucker for that noise, <laughs> oh yes, we had dozens of barn cats. Barn cats are a fun, fun thing. They're all attitude. So we lean in attitude. the middle of the road in the middle of December in a snowstorm. It's fine. Okay. I don't it's care Whatever, about you. dude. Whatever. You're in my way. I'm not in yours. <laughs> wow, we really we got kind of in the weeds on this one. Well, didn't we? what else are we going to talk about? Oh, a terrible movie. We're going to talk not about terrible. a terrible. It's just nothing. No, it's just nothing. Okay, so now we've met the cat. He abducts the cat. I like the way he abducts the cat by tying her up in the with Which, the leash. How does he tie tie her, her up? up? It, it's. <laughs> 
with, with those opposable bolt power thumbs, <laughs> right? Right. I don't know. We, we don't see her get tied up. We never see her, I mean, at any point, like, struggling or yeah. putting up a fight. And I realize she has no claws, but she does have teeth. Mm-hmm. And having encountered more than a few pairs of feline teeth, let me say, yeah. they're not defenseless, even right. without the claws. Plus, cats are kind of like um, furry balloons, like sure. water balloons. Like, I don't know that you really could tie up a cat. Like, <laughs> No. Like, I mean... It would just come right out. <laughs> we had a cat with uh, FIV, mm-hmm. which involved a fairly regular lifetime of meds. I can't imagine medicating a cat. Would get sick. Yeah. Well, and that's exactly correct. So to medicate a cat, you have to first Pareto it. Yeah, because which is tough enough. Oh, yeah. I mean, and just rolling the cat up in the towel is is guaranteed to earn you the eternal enmity of the feline mm-hmm. in the first place. But then you have to try and stick medicine in their throats. <laughs> and they really, in Not, no way, tolerate this. No. I just don't see mittens standing still no. to be tied up with the leash. That's all. That's this is all. The, this is the parts of the movie we're missing. These are the parts of the movie that get fleshed out in four years instead of 18 exactly. months. Exactly. And then we have That's the, when this movie becomes a buddy road trip movie. Right, because <laughs> we go from Mittens and New York City to the Village Inn map, because I really think that was what it was supposed to be, was the Village Inn map. Oh, I thought it was supposed to be a Waffle House. Oh, maybe it was Waffle House. I don't I know. I think it's called, it's Waffle Something. It's I Waffle think. Something. You're right. You're right. It's the it's the Waffle in L.A. that we're trying to get ourselves mm-hmm. to. I, I, we're trying to get from the green lady holding a lantern. Right. To the Waffle in L.A. Hollywood. But there's no... I don't know, yo. It's so weird. Like, there's just nothing redeeming there. Nothing redeeming at all. (laughs) Okay. But we do eventually meet Rhino. And we do go to a shelter in Ohio. Disney really likes Ohio as, like, the middle of nowhere. Like, in the Midwest. Because I think they end up in Ohio in, like, other... They have other road trip cartoon movies, right? Like, one of the Toy Stories or something. I feel Um, like they end up in Ohio. Really? I feel like it. But I feel like every road trip movie ends up in Ohio at some point. Which is interesting, because Ohio is not actually really the Midwest. No. Well, you know what's funny... Um, I'm from Buffalo originally, and apparently, to some people, Buffalo is considered the beginning of the Midwest. What? Like, culturally, it starts with the Great Lakes. No. So, like, sh- yeah, no, I, I think that's ridiculous, too. But I have no, seen... That, no, yes. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That is as far east coast. I know. I- 
I, but I, I think mean, there's there like we're saying culturally, I, okay. the Midwest starts there we in can, that it's like shared um, socioeconomic culture. Uh, there are certainly I can make some arguments for rural like Pennsylvania yeah. and those kinds of places in terms of mentality, and certainly as a flyover state denizen here in Nebraska, I am fairly well qualified to speak to that Midwestern mentality, at least. But, hmm, yeah, I mean, I get it, kind of, but no, Ohio is not the Midwest. It is technically considered the Midwest, Ohio is. It's fine. It's not. <laughs> I it's, know. I know. Uh, it's, uh, it's. I know. Uh, it's, I don't actually live in upstate New York because upstate New York is the like tippy top of New York technically, but it's just easier to tell people I live in upstate New York because otherwise they think I live in the city. Well, that's because that's all New York is. Mm -hmm. It's it's New York City or upstate New York. Yeah. The rest of the state where a good percentage of the population lives. <laughs> doesn't doesn't count right at all no we're not there so anyways so we meet rhino we go we're in the midwest yeah we're in the midwest we got the shelter animal control in ohio and then we end up in las vegas on the house because well, really i really like the montage of how they get there First. Oh, you liked something. You yeah. just admitted you liked something. I liked, you liked the, montage. the Waffle House montage. I did. Did I you did. like I the liked... song? It's the song, isn't it? It's it, it, that's I don't the know. Jenny Lewis song, right? Yeah, uh -huh. yeah. It's the only noteworthy song in this movie, um, and I like it because, like, I like when they're in the kayak on the top of the car, and <laughs> I just like, and I like watching them on the map. That's what I like about this movie. That montage. <laughs> And the name of that song is uh, Barking at the Moon. It's by Jenny Lewis, who... I, did we talk about how she voices the assistant director? Oh, I don't I think, think we, we did, because her. we skipped over her because I was allowing you to not have this particular faux pas <laughs> if you didn't want to have this particular faux pas. But go right ahead. I mean, so, feel free to tell them what... what, what if yeah, you don't know who story. Jenny Lewis is, she was a pretty famous child actor. She's got very red hair. Um, she was she played Phyllis's daughter in True Beverly Hills. She's in The Wizard. Is that the one with uh, with the Power Glove, the Nintendo Power Glove, where they're like traveling to the um, Nintendo like it's, championship thing? I know which one you're talking about. <laughs> I think that's yeah, called that the is Wizard. the name. It's the Wizard. Okay. More recently, she's kind of like the indie rock queen um she's in the band rilo kylie she's been on recordings with the postal service she's she's mostly at this point known as like an indie rock she was um, in pleasantville singer. though she um so when we when i first got I, I, Briar always sends me like the list of uh, who's in the movie and what their role is and I was looking through it I'm like oh she's the assistant director huh that's really interesting I didn't know Jenny Lewis was doing anything in behind the scenes production so I looked at her Wikipedia and there's no other like behind the scenes 
credits here. So I was trying to put together like a reason why she would have been the assistant director on this film in particular. And I just decided, oh, maybe it's because she's a former child star. So she's coming in and like giving that perspective. <laughs> and then when we sat down today to talk about it, I'm an idiot. And I realized she's not the assistant director. She's the voice of the assistant director the, the character, in this movie. The assistant director yeah. in this <laughs> Because they got hallway people for significant actors, right. but for the guys that drop three lines, yeah, we they get, get Jenny Lewis. Lines. I don't I, know. Whatever. Jenny I, Lewis. But that's her singing during the montage. And maybe that's what we really got her for, was so that we could get her to sing the song at day rate. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I don't know with this movie. I just, no. I do not know anything about this movie. So we get to, I guess, Vegas, Vegas. Yeah. and then decide we're still moving on. Even though uh, Mittens doesn't want to. No. She could see herself settling down there. Well, I mean, Vegas is not a bad place to be a cat with no claws. Right. So... I mean, did you see that buffet of garbage buffet food? Yes, that garbage buffet. And I... So, I'll be honest. Food waste is really something that I have a very difficult time with. Yeah. Like, I'll go to conferences and, and places like that where... The, the one that was m recently on my mind, I did a conference here, and we had these lovely chicken salads for lunch, but mm -hmm. in a they sat the hall. Mm -hmm. And so people who didn't come back and eat, I mean, just giant plates of salad and just... Yeah. What do we do with those? Uh, uh, so I do research on this, and it depends on the conference, and it depends on the location, and in a lot of places, the staff gets to... Mm -hmm. eat the leftovers and that's fine but we're still looking at just massive amounts of food waste especially where people with money go mm -hmm. to spend money and then not care about what's left mm -hmm. and it's just it's so vegas for me honestly is a little bit too much like I will probably eventually go to say I've gone to Vegas, but I don't really care to participate in the excessive consumerism that is Las Vegas. It's just, it's it's too overwhelming to me, and it feels like, you know, I'm never going to be a guy who owns a private jet because I don't have the money for a private jet, but even if I was a guy with the money for a private jet, I would never be buying a private jet. Mm -hmm. I just, I can't, I can't hang with that level of expense and so vegas for me is very much the food buffet in the trash cans is real it's a thing mm -hmm. and i can't stand it mm -hmm. it's so excessive so yeah mittens would have been very happy there i'm sure but bolt wants to go find his person which again admirable except for he's a dog and that's we bred that into him they can't escape finding their person because we've made them that way i don't know he goes we get to the whole scene where penny is hugging his replacement mm -hmm. and he goes away sad and Mittens tries to tell him that 
it's all fine and then there's the fire why is i just i don't know this movie was terrible <laughs> i'm sorry did, didn't i say i for... liked this going in I, I, apparently i've changed my mind <laughs> <laughs> if i would like to hear like i don't know a positive review of this film i don't think there is one because nobody watches it no, and when you watch it, when you dive in, there are little things to like. Again, I like the family structure. I do like that Bolt gets to find his person. And, yeah, he gets to be redeemed. and uh, Yes, he gets to do his super bark and mm -hmm. save the day. And, and then he goes off to literally live on a farm. To literally live on the farm with mittens and rhino and everybody gets there happily ever yeah. after and there's the jeff foxworthy bird because <laughs> I, I really I, I i had to look that one up several times i'm like are you sure that's not jeff foxworthy bird are you sure they didn't no, have time not. to get him they were no. only making this movie in 18 uh, months yeah so but, yeah oh you know what we never really talked about well that's the movie that you is know what we never talked about? John Travolta. How do you feel oh, do we about to? John Travolta? So, one of these days, we will probably end up doing a Scientology deep dive because there's a lot of that present in animation in particular. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of connections in the industry. Mm -hmm. And there are people who, some of the voice actors in particular that we mention are very involved in the community at mm -hmm. some level or another. So, I don't know. This is, movie was pre, like, full-on weird John Travolta. That I would is say, correct. At this point in time, John Travolta is... I'm pretty weird. sure he's persona non grata in Hollywood. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's a, weir a weird guy. I, I don't see him getting any jobs anytime He wouldn't get this soon. role today. No, he certainly would not. Regardless of the 18-month schedule. So, let me look at his current... I mean, we go from 2000 to present. In 2016, he returned to TV an American crime story. Right, he played... Um, he played uh, Robert Shapiro. Right. In The People vs. O.J. Simpson. Now, his son died in 2009. Mm -hmm. As a lost parent, I can say that that does have a tendency to push you over the edge. Right. He was, Jet was, I guess, 16. He had a seizure on Christmas vacation in the Bahamas. Mm -hmm. And there was apparently some legal proceedings against John Travolta and Kelly Preston at the time. So that couldn't have been fun to deal with mm -hmm. so i mean like i'm not excusing his bad behavior but in this case it's kind of easy to see why 
John Travolta went off the deep end. Yeah, I think I I would say it's most likely directly related to that. Like his his not being in film like he was and whatever. Um, I generally, in terms of like people who are associated with Scientology, um, there's a few that I have a hard time seeing past that with and it's definitely John Travolta and it's definitely Tom Cruise. Well, uh, yeah. You know. It's but their then, inability to keep their mouth shut right. about the religion and potentially I mean, I'm never going to be able to look at Tom Cruise and not hear him say that postpartum depression right. is made up. I, I'll never be able to not hear him say that. Right. But I still like his movies. Right. But, like, I try, I really do, like, actively try not to monetarily contribute to Tom Cruise movies. Um, Good for you. With the exception of, like, Live, Die, Repeat, or Edge of Tomorrow, I could basically write off most Tom Cruise movies at this point. Edge of Tomorrow is a really great movie, and it, like... You and I are both kind of suckers for that Groundhog Day effect, I right. think, because um, those are amongst and it kills my me, favorites. It kills me that I like the movie as much as I do. Uh, oh, come on. The best part is the scene where he gets rolled over by the... <laughs> uh, and he makes that squeak? Come on, yeah. man. It's, it's totally worth it just to hear Tom's squeak. <laughs> <laughs> um... But then I would say that there's another level of um, uh, Scientology actors that, because they're not outspoken about it, I, I have less of a hard time with. I don't like that these people are these people and they're in these things that I enjoy. Um, one of the ones that I have the biggest issue with is elizabeth moss in the handmaid's tale i just i the irony of that i can't get over it i I literally cannot get over it i I, I really struggle with that i can't watch that show and and i think i probably i'll be honest i probably have a problem with that show anyway because i'm not a big fan of the torture (laughs) porn and we have (laughs) talked about those things before on this show but the idea of playing that part right. in that show with that understanding and still calling yourself a Scientologist. I, I can't deal with the cognitive dissonance. It's not, it's just not possible for me to handle. So I think too, part of this also comes from there being, say it's very difficult. This is like a very, we'll never, this is, we will never get deep enough into this. There's people who have entire podcasts about this that don't mm-hmm. get deep enough into it. But I would say, I think that there, to me, there's a big um, difference between somebody who joins Scientology as an adult and somebody who is raised as a Scientologist. Mm-hmm. And a lot, there's a lot of actors who have been came raised it. that way. Yeah. Um, I don't know if Elizabeth Laura Moss Perpon- is kind of comes to mind on that one but yeah i i can't i don't know it's i just uh i have a it's it's, 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 yeah and it's embedded in hollywood it's embedded in animation and we're talking about people with really interesting beliefs who are then 
ostensibly teaching our children things. Yeah. You know, and we keep coming back to this when we don't talk about potentially bad behavior by the actors. Mm-hmm. And again and again, we're just going to keep button heads with this because it doesn't go away. It just... And I, I mean, I think that this is kind of under that same vein like we don't have an answer for this i don't know how to handle this um short of trying to break out of or not um participate in pop culture that right is more directly related to the outspoken side of scientology and when you don't participate in that pop culture is so I am really reluctant to talk about um, Kanye West's troubling new behavior in any real meaningful way because Mm -hmm. I am not black and I don't feel like it's really my place to have a conversation or critique about those things. Mm -hmm. In this case, when we're talking about new religious fanaticism right and the ability to give that message to a much wider audience what are the responsibilities and if you don't consume what What are your children learning in its absence? Mm -hmm. So, if we're not consuming this shit, what are we giving our kids? Right. What, 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 what's that void? What do we fill the gap with? Veggie Mm -hmm. tails? Because that ain't gonna fly. Right. I mean, I'm totally unwilling to teach my children the harsher Christian morality tales that they are kind of casually exposed to at church because Mm -hmm. that doesn't do it for me. Right. So what's left? Well, we're left with popular culture, except that I'm not really sure I like the messages being given by popular culture either. Mm -hmm. We're... We're going to keep running up into this. We, when, we have not yet recorded it, but when you hear this, we will have done our deep dive on porn, and that's all shitty, too. This is just, it's, it continues to be a wall where the best you can hope for, I think, is awareness of what's going on. And by deep dive into porn, you mean? Oh, yeah. Yes. Like, we're going to do a deep dive into porn? Yes, we're going to do a deep dive into porn. We are? We, How does we, that... <laughs> I'm so confused. I don't... You mean like Elsagate? I'm... Yes, I'm specifically okay. <laughs> talking about... Watching what your kids are watching on Watching Netflix, what your kids are watching. YouTube. Because you have to be of the very clear understanding that all of these characters that we talk about on a weekly basis have been turned into a porn character somewhere in some subversive right. anime. What is that rule? 64 or something? Uh, <laughs> internet rule. Whatever it is. But that's 
factual at this point in time. And your kids have the potential exposure now to all of this because a lot of it gets past the screeners on YouTube. If you have 30 seconds of good material to go past the censors, how would you know? Mm -hmm. uh, so, again. Anyways, back to we what we talked about today. The best you can do is be aware. Yeah. Yep. All we can say is that these are the situations. This is the reality of the story behind the story. Mm -hmm. We're just, we're bringing it to you and letting you make your own determinations. That's all we can do. That's all anyone can do on this. Agreed. So, to get back to Bolt then. <laughs> um... There were actually a couple of light, teary moments for me, but I'm a sap. So, did this one do anything for you in any way I didn't expect? Not so. a thing. This, again, I will say again, this movie was a complete nothing for me. I didn't feel joy. I didn't feel pain. You felt annoyance at having to watch it a second time. I felt that's about the most amount of, like, emotion I could bring up for this movie. Didn't hate it. Didn't like it. So it didn't make me cry. Do we have an age range on this one? I feel like since it's not a significant film, is there anything potentially scary? Anything I would say, to stay away from? Um, the fiery scene could potentially be scary. Um, the the guys on the motorcycles with the electric hands because they're so pointy. Oh, they are kind of claw-like. Yeah, yeah, I could see that might be an issue. I don't see anything, like, super scary on no, this. If, you're, if your kid's, like, a very sensitive kid who maybe is more uh, likely to be afraid of things like that, then, yeah, I wouldn't show it to your kid. But I would say your most, most average kids would be totally fine with this movie. Except I'm just not sure what they're learning. No. <laughs> and, and... I don't know. I, I, I don't know what they're taking away from this message wise and for me when it comes to the movies that we show the kids over and over again i want them to be ones where they're learning something good I... the cast may be dubious the plot lines may be eh, whatever but i'd rather fuck i'd rather they watch happy feet because mm -hmm. at least they're learning mm -hmm. something oh the face you're making right now is <laughs> something happy feet is the worst movie behold. um i have absolutely no problem if my kid wants to watch this movie a hundred times no i don't have a problem with it i just don't <laughs> i just don't want to watch it with him. It. or no there's just I, but whatever this movie doesn't um, bother me at all we, uh, there were no Halloween costumes to speak of, probably, because I mean, it if your kid really November. wants to dress as one of these characters, I, I don't see uh, why it would whatever. be a problem. <laughs> also, who's your kid? Can we talk to him? Uh, right? Like, <laughs> if there's a kid out there that loved this movie, we would be happy to hear and discuss that one because, holy and shit. And how do you deal with it? Because there's no, there's no. nothing for this movie. There's no really? merchandise. There's nothing. I looked on the Disney shop Disney site, and there is one thing. Probably it, a stuffed it, bolt. It's a be stuffed bolt, yeah. They have <laughs> there's a whole a line of, bolt. Disney has a whole line of, like, baby dogs. In, like wrapped up in blankets and it's in that line so like okay yeah <laughs> i just i got nothing for you guys i'm sorry uh, out of five 
Sarah? <sighs> like a two, two and a half. Mm. Okay. Yeah, I'll go with like a three, maybe. I, I want to look at our, I have to pull up my previous scores. I know. You have to see them in context. And I'm looking at sexual assault allegations against John Travolta in May 2012. Oh, yeah. He, um, it was a guy in, uh, it yeah, was a guy, it was, right? It was a guy. Yeah, I'd yeah. forgotten all about that. And that would have been, so that was well before Me Too, obviously. And while it turned into a bit of a thing, it apparently, um, not so much of a thing. So I'm going to amend my score to a two because I, that's what I gave Despicable Me. Okay. What did I give Despicable Me? Two, and a, two half? and a half. Okay. Well, I'm certainly, yeah, I'm reluctant to say this was better than Despicable Me, so I guess I'm going to go with a two and a half for this. <laughs> <laughs> all right so next time we are going to be discussing the animated version and ish the live action version of 101 dalmatians what we've decided to do with that is follow the animated through line and then just discuss the differences in the live action version because we're only talking about that one once that's mm -hmm. for sure um and then we've got the disney deep dive after that when are you going soon right yes i'm going at the end of january so i'm not i don't know off the top of my head where this episode will be released. I feel like it's in February or March. Yeah. So I already went. I had a great so time. So you already went. You had, an, was you had an amazing time. Best trip ever. <laughs> <laughs> we won and a we'll million dollars we'll be talking all about we it in a couple of weeks <laughs> by your listening count, not by recording count. See, this is really difficult when you're so far ahead. But, yeah. man, I'm so glad we're so far ahead. <laughs> All right. Um, we are pushing for Instagram and Facebook page participation now. If you wanna, it's at Latchkey Movies. You can also email us latchkeymovies at gmail .com. And if you have commentary about this movie or any other please do give us a call. That's 402-885-4875. And do we have any asks? Uh, let us know if you are a family that has to watch this movie a lot because your kid loves it. Yeah. And that's how really, do you that's, handle that's that? That's all I want to know. I want to <laughs> know if there's anyone out there listening to the show that actually has to watch this movie on a consistent basis. Because for almost all of them the reason that we're here is because one of our children right was obsessed with it for right. at least a short period of time where we watched the movie over and over and over again and went hey i have questions this was not that movie <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> i don't have questions it was not no. it was terrible yeah but it wasn't even terrible it was just it was just not Okay, guys. Not a thing. <laughs> so we'll not see you in a couple of weeks, I guess.
Yep, see you in two weeks. <laughs> Bye. Bye.